All right, guys, it's time for the next Level Guy Show, a men's interview, interest, and improvement-focused podcast featuring interviews with the greats from all industries to help you better your life. Each week, a new episode features an interview with one of the greats, covering all aspects of their story, from life hacks to tips and protocols that have allowed them to live life on the next level. We then highlight concrete action steps that you can use to improve your life. And now, your host, Ian Dawson McKay. And today's guest is Hodger Gracie. Hodger is a retired mixed martial artist and a former professional Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu competitor. He's the son of Coral Belt, Marcio Gomes, and grandson of BJJ founder Carlos Gracie. He's one of Jiu-Jitsu's most decorated and accomplished athletes, considered by many as the greatest competitor in Jiu-Jitsu history. Hodger taps black belts with white belt techniques, making it look effortless. His skill level is terrifying, and his ability to read the action orders on him almost being able to see the future it feels like when you roll. A member of both IBJJF and the ADCC Hall of Fame, Gracie won 10 IBJJF World Championships titles across multiple weight classes every year from 2004 to 2010, becoming the first competitor to win the Open Weight Division three times. Gracie is a two-time European champion, a pan champion, and is an ADCC submission fighting weight, absolute and super fight champion. The only athlete to win gold in both his weight class and the European weight division with a 100% submission rate. He retired in 2017 after defeating the BJJ world champion Marcus Buchecha, leaving Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu without a single submission defeat in his record. He now spends his time coaching and inspiring the future generations of BJJ stars and helping the sport reach new levels. In this interview we discuss how he transformed from meh to master ability how he found himself through the sport and how you should approach BJJ to see greater development and why it doesn't matter your age or ability, you can excel and grow through Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And now, let's get to the interview. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This is a dream interview for me because I'm a big Jiu-Jitsu fan and obviously to have the GOAT of all time, you know, the greatest of all time on. But how would you explain who you are? You know, how how do you explain this phenomenal career you have, this coaching empire, etc.? Uh, I mean, I see myself as a martial artist. That's how I see myself. And, you know, someone that, you know, since I was born, kind of, you know, I lived through uh, generations before me in, you know, developing the art, you know, teaching, you know, not, uh, not just martial artists who fight, but someone who teaches, you know. I think that was also a huge part of uh, my family. I think maybe, you know, just as important as fighting is teaching. And do you think there was always this sort of destiny for you to enter into martial arts? Was it a turning point for you? Or were you always going down that road, do you think? Uh, no, actually, I was very far from it until I was about 14, 15. I think until then, I, I was never took any... Seriously, never really saw like a clear path as a 
fighter, you know, taking, you know, as a martial artist. I think it was, I always thought it very big in my family, but I never really, you know, before you were a kid, you know, I've never really decided before I want, I want to be a fighter. You know, I want, this is what I want. And the turning point was when I, you know, I'm from Rio de Janeiro. So I went to the south of Brazil to a, to a place called Florianópolis. I had two of my uncles living there, Helen and Crowley, my mom's uh, brothers. So I went to see my uncle Helen to stay with him, like summer holidays. You know, it was summer. I went there for about four, about a month. Uh, and then I had my uncle Hollis, Hollis Gracie, was living there with him. And Hollis is, I think, three or four years older than me. So I was like a kid, 14, 15, yellow belt, chubby, not really training much. And Hollis was already like six, seventeen, and like an athlete, you know, purple belt competing. And just staying that time with them, you know, my uncle's like, you know, Roger, you have to train. Like, you know, I was barely training. And he's like, man, you're Greece, you have to train, you know, you have to, you know, you know, get into a diet, man, you know, you're out of shape. Let's, you know, let's, you, you can be a champion. Hollis would be the heavyweight champion, you'd be the middleweight champion, because I wasn't that big back then. And I think just the daily, you know, he had a gym, like, my mom is a Gracie, not my father, even though that my father is a big person in, you know, in, in the jiu-jitsu world, the big fighter, one of the best of his generation. But I didn't grow up with, he never had his school. So I didn't grow up with like a father figure t- taking me to the academy, you know, living like what it is to live through jiu-jitsu. And my father, when my uncle was Hollis, was his teacher. And Hollis died when I was two months old. Uh, and then my father kind of was very sad and he kind of moved away from jujitsu for many years. So, you know, like, and that was the, when I was born. So it took him many, many years for him to get back into it. So all during all the time, I had my uncles, cousins, you know, who I used to train with, but not my dad. I never had anyone take me to the cabin, never knew, you know, what it is to live through that. So when I went to see my uncle, you know, suddenly I stay at his house and used to wake up. I used to go for a run and then have a like a very light breakfast, eating fruits. We used to go to the academy, train, he used to teach. And then we used to discuss, you know, just some techniques after. I mean, not that I was discussing. I used to listen to them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we used to train again in the evening. And that was like a daily routine. I just fell in love with that life. Like, you know, living, you know, nature, we should go to the waterfalls during the day, running, dieting, training. That kind of really inspired me. Like, I really had felt like a passion for it. And then when I go back to Rio, I was a changing person. I was like, this is what I want. I want to, I even, I moved back to live with them. I was like, you know, I want to, you know, that this is the place that I'm really motivated to, 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 to teach, to learn. And he was like, come, come live with me. So I went back next year. I moved to, to the south of Brazil, Florianópolis. I live with him and my other uncle, Crowley. And I think from that moment on, you know, I, I was changed. And do you think that gave you that kind of discipline, some sort of structure that you were craving? How, how did that help you sort of fall in love with the sport? Was it the kind of the physicality to help you get into shape, but also the kind of emotional development through the sport and learning and growing as you trained? I think that kind of gave me a direction. Like suddenly I saw what it is, what what it means to be a Gracie. That's what I thought. Mm -hmm. That's where every 
uncle and cousin of mine used to do. They, you know, they all teach. They all had academy, and they all used to train and they all used to teach and fight. That's the, you know, the life, the the, the life of a Gracie. And suddenly, when I thought that, I was like, "This is amazing." And I mean, I was, you know, I, I was always a very competitive person. But you know, then I was like, "Man, I want to be a fighter." Then I was like, "Then I got inspired by the champions in my family." I'm like, "I want to be one of them." Because you said people didn't really pay attention to you till you were 18. What do you think made you go from an okay fighter to? like one of the elite that you know that to eventually become the greatest of all time what was it do you think you made that jump was it a skill development was it a kind of a mental shift what, what would you attribute it to was my motivation and my dedication my motivation to be the best which you know that when i decided to to become a fighter you know to to train to be a champion i wanted to be the best even back then when i was like nothing you know, I was, I was one of the, you know the bottom, the, you know the the bottom of the line below everyone, and no one really. That's why no one really pay attention to me. You know, you you can see as a kid, someone who has talent, right? You know, you can see oh this kid can be really good, so he kind of shows something when he's a child because I never really dedicated the way I never really showed anything, so nothing that people would see and say oh he has great talent. For me, I was just a normal kid. And so that my motivation to be the best and my dedication daily to become the best, I think those are, were the two combinations that made me. It's scary to think of you even considering yourself the low. You know, like from what we see now, it's hard to imagine you getting beaten and, you know, struggling because you have this kind of instinctual way of controlling people. Like I, I watch and all sometimes as you just – it looks like you're about to get swept and you just shift your leverage, you know, your, your base, you, you just have this sort of natural flow with it. How do you set up your training to do this? Is it just rep after rep from bad positions or good positions till it becomes second nature or how, how do you approach training to, to become such a level you are? Uh, I think, you know, when you're pro training is like when you're going to train with someone, you're facing each other you know, you're trying to win. You're trying to dominate the person and submit him. I think that's the goal of jiu-jitsu. You know, you need to, first you need to dominate the other person. You're going to put yourself in a strong enough position that from that position you can you can now have options to submit the other person. Then that's the goal. You know, once you can dominate someone, then submission ideally should be easy, easier. Then you, you, if you're in an equal position, then it's very hard because the other person is in a position as strong as you, you know, then he's fully ready to defend your attacks. When you when you when you're in a very dominant position, like if you mounted someone, you know, sitting in the person's chest, that person's completely pinned. So for him to even to escape that position, he'll, you know, then he'll give you something. That's that's the position you want to be to have fully control of the other person before you submit. And I think my uh, it's you know the, the 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 way to approach is like you know you constantly trying the same goal. It's you know to put the person in a pinning position and then submit him. So it's, it's the repetition, you know, and over and over again teaches you everything. You know, back then I used to teach, I used to train every day, twice a day. I've done that for years and years. 
so you know you kind of always sort of go back to the same situation you know you train with the you know with your training partners you have many different training partners you know all levels and then you get caught with something and then you get caught again and then you get caught again and you're always trying to change something not to get caught you know to 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 make it you know to to improve to defend the situation and i think you know the improvement comes from that you know it's you you know the person is trying to submit to to sweep you you know he'll sweep you once twice as many times as he needs for you to change something then when you change now it becomes harder than you improved <laughs> and that... sweeping, you know not getting swept what you're saying is like it's almost you know when the, you, you when you're about to be swept you know to be reversed it's almost like standing in a in a medicine ball like you, you seems to be going down, almost going, and then it's like a balance, you know, leverage, or, you know, re- reaction or quick reaction of putting the hand there, changing the, you know, the, 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 the shape of your body changes everything. Suddenly, the way you're pushing the weight to the other side, those sort of things. Because that's what I was, every time I watch it's like. Because I, I never saw anybody else that was tall with long limbs kind of excel the way that you were doing it, and that. Because I've always seen these people like spinning underneath, and I mean, I'm fat. I got out of shape with COVID, and I looked and I was like, I need to get back to jujitsu, and I couldn't see anybody doing pressure passing. And then you had this way of just dominating and controlling, and no matter where you came in what position, you were just every second you just seemed to be you know exactly what they were going to do. So is that how you learned? You just kind of asked questions, you sat and watched, and just kind I'm of. Quiet. Put yourself out there yeah of course i had great teachers who helped me along my life you know uh, they all they all helped me and i've learned a lot from them but it's you know it's it's i i never had a teacher daily that you know they used to follow me you know and watching my training you know every training session you know then we sat down and say look oh, you did this wrong no you gotta do this that i never had ever i had Teach you know uncles, my father, my cousins who always helped me, but none of them were like always beside me, looking at my training and then trying to correct me after. And uh, you know the, the the way you describe, and I think for you to really master something, you have to be fully relaxed, your body. And you know it's, if you're very stiff, you're very easy to be moved, very easy. And you know very easy to be swept, very easy to to be put in positions, and, and you get tired. I think, you know, to really master jiu-jitsu is the ability to fight relaxed because then you're truly using your body. You're truly using leverage. You're not muscling your way to win because, you know, as long as you have energy, you can, you'll be right, but your energy will eventually, will, you'll tire. So I think, the, you know, the main thing, especially relating to what you're saying, is I have a very relaxed way of fighting. Like, you know, I try to, I don't try to muscle my way into situations. Of course, you know, there's some energy they have to put. You know, it's not that I'm completely relaxed. I don't use strength. Of course I do, but I don't rely on strength. You know, I rely on leverage and my technique. I think that's, it's the, you know, one of the biggest difference between me and my opponents. You know, it's when you, when you, when you try, you know, the moment that, you know, we grab each other, that we move, if you, you know, if you're very stiff, that means is the lack of confidence and technique, you know, and like it's I was always very positive with my uh, skills. 
that, I mean, that alone would have helped so many people because I can remember when I started, I was holding on for dear life and I was getting th- <laughs> thrown around. And then as soon as I went to the, I got better. And as soon as you went to the sort of color belt class, you realize how easy people were taking on you as a white belt because suddenly you opened up. And as I started trying to understand pressure passing, I watched some of your videos and what? It just sort of clicks. I was nowhere near on your skill level, but like all your amazing videos and your tips. And then how, how do you keep that sort of sense of calmness? Cause I, I read somewhere that you said about being the chubby kid who couldn't overpower people. So you focused on your technique. Do you have that confidence because you're focusing on the technique, but also that you know that you've got a mission in jujitsu or, you know, like where does this stem from, that confidence, the calmness to relax in jiu-jitsu? Is it just doing the rep after rep? Uh, yes, I think first is because I, I start as a child and everything that you start as an adult, it's you will never you never be fully relaxed because it's too late. The adult, you will never really uh, release that tension, your new body tension. So because when you're learning, you will try to muscle your way into things. The adult will do that because you have power, so you will use. It's inevitable. That's why every beginner uses a lot of power because that's what they have. You know, this like, I don't have technique, but I have power, so let me. I'm gonna use it. You know, until I can learn. The more I learn, eventually you start relaxing a little. But as a child, you know, you see they don't use power because they don't have it. You know, every game the child plays, every every sport, everything, the child are very relaxed. So they learn purely the technique. And we, especially when I was a teenager, I was very tall, but not very strong. Like I mature late in life, you know, like it's, I barely had hairs under my arms when I was like 15, you know. So like, you know, as maturity, hormones and everything, it came late. So I was very tall, but I was not as strong for my age. You know, people that are like 16, they are already like full, full beard, you know, all muscly. I was like, I barely had any beard when I was 16, nothing. So I'm know, like my, that now. I'm 40 <laughs> and I'm still like that. <laughs> yeah, you know, little. So my body, you know, it developed late. So I didn't have power to use. And mm. I'm big. So I'm training with guys who are like way stronger than me. So I didn't have the, you know, power to match them. So I think that massively helped develop my technique massively because I didn't have, I couldn't match the power, physical power. So, you know, I had to develop my technique. So that massively helped my, you know, my, my game, my, my skills. So do you think that's something where the, like a lot of newbies should focus on when they come in is just focusing solely on the technique, not wasting energy, not trying to, like power people off or explode out, but actually work on finding that gap, getting the time, not wasting energy, kind of building, you know, do people come in and focus too much on the the sexy stuff, like the submissions rather than the escapes and getting the fundamentals and the basics right? You know, where where do you see people going wrong when they start jujitsu or return to it? First is ego. First is people's ego. Like men, we have a lot of ego, you know, we hate to lose. So, you know, you, for, for, I think for a man to accept defeat to another man is very hard. So you're going to use as much power as you can not to lose to the other person. 
you know, like a kid, a kid has no ego. Like you watch, you know, you watch a kid's class, you watch two kids training. They will, they, they will accept being under pressure, being in a bad position and still be very relaxed. Kids, they don't care. You can, they can get swept, they can get mounted, they roll around one place to the other, and they do all that being very relaxed. You don't see them like powering the way out of that. That does not happen with adults. Adults, they will muscle their way out, not because they won't accept defeat. You know, they, they won't accept being defeated by another man because of the ego. Like, they, I can't mm-hmm. be defeated, you know, to, to that person. So I'm going to try to muscle my way out of that. I think that's the main thing with, uh, with, uh, with a man, with adults, you know, with us when we are adults. It's first, it's like we have the, our ego won't let us relax because we can't lose. Because when you're learning, the learning process, I mean, you will be put in a bad position. You know, you'll get caught. So if you leave the ego on the side, you were not going to try to muscle your way out of that. So in that process, if you don't do that, you'll be developing your technique because you you know you will try not to get caught, but not maximize you know using all your, your as much power as you can. So people with a lot of ego, they take much longer to learn because they will try to rely on power as much as they can. That's why smaller people they will always much more technical than big guys because big guys they they're just going to try to 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 you know to overstrength everybody because they're big they're not going to be relaxed they're not going to accept being beat up by someone half their size the small guy he has no choice doesn't matter how much strength and power he uses they will never be able to 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 defeat a much bigger opponent with their strength because the other guy is just going to power his way through so they, you know, they end up developing the, the defense skills and the technique way more than a big guy. Yeah, it's, it's like you're describing me there. I remember when I started, <laughs> I was just in there going, "Yeah, definitely did that." How? I mean, how do we lose that then? How do we lose that curve, that ego? Is it just putting yourself under, getting swept from the pressure? Because I think was it Helio that mentioned about using jujitsu as a sort of life philosophy. How do we use it to grow, to lose the ego, to build confidence, but you know, sort of understand we're there to help our teammates to be the best version of ourselves, not care about tournaments and wins and stuff, but actually grow as a person as much as developing your jiu-jitsu? Yeah, I think that comes with practice, for sure, because eventually you will see that you know, the repetition of the training, it will tell you that muscle in your way is not always going to help because it might help with training someone your level, your size or somebody smaller. But the moment that, you know, you like when you're when a beginner, when you're white belt, let's say you just train with white belts. But the moment that, let's say you get a color, your first color belt, which is the blue belt. And now you're starting to, you have an excuse to train with purple belts, right? The white belt is not really going to train with purple belt, but the blue belt will. So when when you get to train with someone much higher, a lot more skilled than you, doesn't matter how much strength you lose, he's still going to catch you. But you will see his example that he's not stiff. So you will see it, you know, firsthanded that power. Is not good. you're not going to help you much. So for you to become good, you have to become skillful. That's when you start relaxing more and more. 
because you you know you you will see that power only going to get you up to a point. It's not gonna you, you will create a barrier because you you're not going to beat someone much better than you with power. You will still lose. And the technique and first you get too tired, right? <laughs> you know people that use a lot of energy and a lot of muscles they get tired very quickly. And then you know when you're tired, it suddenly you you know you drop like your your skills and you know you become a as if you're blue belt, you tie your white belt because now you cannot defend yourself because you know you, 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 your your skills are your strength. So you you know you learn on on, on the process. The more you train, the more you see that uh, you know you cannot rely on power. And if you the if the people they use a lot of power, so that means the body is very stiff. So it's much easier to get injured. You know, because if you if you're resisting, you're holding for dear life, and then suddenly one pulls, like oh, you know, you pull a muscle or something, you you will injure yourself. People that use too much power in training, you know, they they always injure. I really like that way of looking at it as like a, you're a blue belt, but as you tire, you switch to you become a white belt because you can no longer do the technique correctly you know you're or if you're trying to fight somebody you go back to white belt mentality because you you lose the nuances of your techniques and that's a, it's a great way of looking at it. and then it's I suppose it's the same it's the blue belt keeps the 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 ego so you become a white belt fighting each other for a, a win when you can just tap and start again and it's uh, I love the way that you look at these so how do you start taking so many techniques? You know, like, because I remember you mentioned another podcast where nobody preps the the bad situations, you know, like the escapes and things. And people always said how you had this knack of finding a space. You always looked like you're in a bad position and you just seem to calm and then escape. Do you, How do you start piecing together, you know, like a turtle escape to an attack, then a chain to like, you know, when you're on the mount to then how you're going to submit them? Is it like a video game? The more you do it, you kind of piece it together and the map opens up a bit more? Like, How yeah. does it go in your head? Yeah, I mean, first you get used to it of being in a very bad position because, I mean, until I became really good, I went from being really bad. It took me years <laughs> and years and years of dedication and, you know, training really hard. So all those years, I mean, I was losing a lot more than winning. I had you know, like hundreds of people like used to beat me up, tap me out. So and I, you know, but I used to train with the best. I used to give my best. I never really care about losing because it's, it's a learning process. I'm like, you can catch me today. We're gonna still train tomorrow and the day after, and the day after that. One day my goal is to win. One day I'm gonna catch you. That was <laughs> that. That was always what I had in mind. I don't mind losing. You can catch me today. I'm learning. I'm going, one day I'm going to catch you. I'm going to train until I can catch you. That's what I always had in mind with my training partners, people I fight. I don't mind losing, but I hate losing. I'm going to give my best to win against you. And some of you learning. So it's, you know, it's, it's the coming back and trying to change something, trying to develop your skills. And one day I'm going to win. So do no you see... Long, I will. <laughs> I love that. I love that mindset of like, it's a, a marathon, not a sprint. It's not what's happening today. It's how you're going to grow as a person later. Where does that sort of humbleness come from, do you think? I think it comes from within, you know. It's 
I don't know, you know, if you ask me where, where did I come from? Where did that come from? I don't know. I think I was always humble. I was never, I don't remember ever being arrogant. So, you know, I think that's just the way I am. I was always a very calm person. I was never someone who gives to emotions, you know, a lot. So I was naturally, that came very natural for me, of course. You know, I used to get nervous and things like that. But that calmness and, you know, I think I wouldn't say I was born with that. Maybe I was, you know, I don't know when I developed that, but I don't remember being otherwise. So I think that always helped me massively. Just being the way I am, it helped me a lot. So what's your sort of mindset when you roll now? Do you go in and think, I'm going to go in and explore, I'm going to put myself in bad positions, I'm going to grow, you know, really test myself with my technique, but I'm going to remain sort of fluid and not non-resistant, you know? What, what kind of, um, do you have a mantra or a, like, what could somebody listen to this use the next role they have to to expand and explore and learn jiu-jitsu better, do you think? Uh, I think it's, it's kind of the same. It's, you know, now I'm not an athlete anymore, I retire, so I think the intensity of my training is much less. I don't train as hard, you know, I'm not, my conditioning is not as good, you know, my strength, it did diminish, of course, you know, when I was in my top condition, I was like, my condition was bad, I was strong, I was fast, or my time reaction was better, so, you know, now that I don't compete anymore, I think things just kind of slowed and calmed down a bit, you know, so my pace is slightly smaller, because I, you know, I cannot keep that pace that I used to have as a competitor, because... I don't have the physic physicality to, you know, follow that up. I get more tired. <laughs> I get tired quicker. You know, mm -hmm. I don't have the the strength I used to have because I don't train as hard. So you know, it's, it's the same. I think it is just adapting. You know, your change, your game is always changing over the years a little. You always kind of, you know, you you venture yourself to learn new things to you know to to practice new new ways of trying to pass the other person. You know, so the game you you always kind of trying to find out what works for you, what doesn't, it's, you know, it's suddenly I'm, I'm doing a different kind of guard, you know, when I play more my back, instead of so things like that, but it's, it's kind of the same, I think more slower and calmer, I'll say, it's a bit different. <laughs> so, I mean, you've talked in other podcasts about when you trained for competitions, you didn't have a strategy because it was always, so, you thought it was so unpredictable, you didn't really plan for it. How did you sort of train for competitions without a strategy? Did you just go in and think, this is what I'm good at, this is what I'm going to focus on? You know, what, what would, what's your planning for those kind of things? Yeah, I, I, never, I never really made a strategy because I don't really believe in strategy much because things can change. You know, when you focus too much on a strategy, if suddenly the fight is going in a different direction, you can be lost. You can suddenly lose yourself, yeah. you know, in the middle of the fight because, you know, it's you, 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 you plan, you, you've been training for weeks, the fight to go one way and suddenly it's going a different way. And then what do you do? Do you change strategy? Do you change plans in the middle or do you try to force the fight in the, the way you planned before? That's already a very negative point to happen in the middle of the fight. Yeah. And I think it's... You know, I've trained 
every position, you know, I've, you know, I've trained being a good and a bad position. You never know what will happen. You cannot predict. Suddenly something can happen. It's going to put you in a very bad position. I think the training, it will tell how you react being there. It's, and I've been in, I used to put myself in every bad position because I know if some, if I, if I happen to, to, to be there, I need to know how to get out. So it's, you know, I've, I've tra I train a lot. Like I always, I always wanted to implement my best game. I don't care about the other person. I don't, I'm not going to plan any strategy in what they are doing because that means I have to change my game. And my, you know, my, your A game, the things you do best, I mean, that's your weapons to beat your opponent. It's what you do best, your best moves, you know, your best sweeps, your best guard pass. You know, that's what you have to, I always have to focus. What I, I do best. If they can block that, they're better than me. I mean, if you can completely neutralize all my game, you, you beat me. If you can do that, you win the fight. So it's like, I'm going to implement my best games, what I do best. And that, I mean, if that's not enough to beat you, I'm just not good enough. I suppose that's hardly ever happened, to be honest. Like somebody beating you, but... I really like that because if you do a strategy for somebody else, you're playing their game. You're changing your way of doing it to suit them. Yeah, I like that. No, I need to do what I do best. It's time for a quick break. There are millions of potential products to buy, so how do you know which ones are worth your hard-earned money? Simple. You go to nextlevelguy.com slash affiliates and explore those that will transform and improve your life. You'll find deals, listener exclusives, and special offers with some great companies. Recommendations are 100% honest and only on items Ian has tried or believes in. The companies showcased will make you a better man in all areas of your life. Simply go to nextlevelguy.com affiliates and level up. So you've said about how the fight starts before the referee says go. You know, that you used to sort of lock eyes with a person. You would maybe be messing with them in the, you know, the press conferences and stuff. But you were just giving them that reminder that you were going to beat them. How do you switch on that competition mindset? Because you seem to be just ready in the moment but what what's your kind of go-to thing because you've talked about watching which is the first for me watching braveheart to get ready for jiu-jitsu you know you said in brazil you used to go for a swim um yeah. i think it was gladiator was the other film you used to watch like how, yeah. what's the the hodger gracie method of getting ready because you just seem to go like that and you're in the moment but what's it like for you yeah, I mean, when I when I used, when I used to live in Brazil, I used to live right by the beach. So, and you know, I used to every every the, the tournament that I used to compete, I used to wake up, go straight to the beach, go for like a swim, you know, just like a swim, just to be in the water. I used to mm -hmm. sit down in the sand, stretch like five minutes, nothing major, you know, stay in the water maybe five ten minutes, like a few strokes, and then come out, you know, kind of. Then walk home, shower, breakfast, get changed, and like, let's go to the tournament. That used to be my routine. Because I always used to, it doesn't matter, I never used to compete late. So, you know, just used to wake up early if it was to fight early. So that was my routine. Because the water used to kind of wake me up. 
you know, I used to like mm. get the energy of the sand, the water. So that kind of used to give me a bit of a, you know, keep my mind clear. And like walking into the tournament, you know, the moment you walk there, it's like you want to switch. I want to switch my mind out of everybody, everything and everybody. It's because I, I want to stay, you know, like in, you know, in my own zone, not be distracted by anyone, not really talking to anyone. You know, I'm like, at least I used to be, you know, like listen to some music, put a hoodie on, not really staying in my zone, you know, then, then like an hour before I start stretching and warming up, you know, when I'm warm and just, just wait to be called my name and, you know, walk into the, to the, to the mat, to the ring. And walking in, I mean, now you're like, okay, now this is my challenge. You know, I need to face that opponent in front of me. So my, you know, my focus was already who I was going to fight. Even before the referee, I was already switched. I see nobody. I'm like, you know, now nothing exists. Like, you know, like, there's no thinking now. I'm like, you know, just be very calm, stay focused, you know. And then I, as I walk to the ring, I'm already facing him even before the referee starts. So, you know, my, my, uh, my eyes, my focus, my attention is all on my opponent. You know, I'm reading him. I'm seeing, I'm trying to see how nervous he is. You know, I'm, I'm staring in his eyes, not really try to intimidate. Never really, you know, there was never my intention to, you know, look at someone's eyes, you know, like, you know, trying to intimidate anyone. I was like very blank looking. But my focus, my eyes, is, it was on his eyes. Now I'm like, you know, even before the referee say go, I'm like, my eyes will never come out of my opponent. And then right away I see how, 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 how much nervous he is how his confidence, body language, you know, if it doesn't stare you back, if he's nervous, that's already a good advantage. You know, if you can look in the eye, you know, if he's avoiding you, all that is like, is then it just builds your confidence. You know, the, the more my opponent show weakness, the more I used to grow because I'm like, he's afraid. You know, he's not, he's nervous. You know, he's, he's insecure. That shows, you know, his grips on his reactions straight away in the beginning. It kind of shows a bit. And are you looking to kind of feel your way into it, absorb and just kind of react till you get to a point where you can start implementing, you know, your preferred strategies? Or are you kind of just, you know, do you prefer to be the aggressor? How do you like to take on a fight? Because I think too many people focus so much on the training beforehand. How, yeah. you know, because you just seem relaxed and calm in that. Is it just that you know you're confident in your own abilities you're going to just wait for that moment, hit the perfect technique, and then just win it. You know, do you even think about it? Like you're saying, do you just zone into it and go, I'm yeah, no, just no, another I opponent? No, with me, it was like, you know, as a black belt, we fight 10 minute round, just one, one 10 minute rounds. And then, you know, either you, the person tap, which you might finish before, or it goes to decision. Whoever score more points. So 10 minutes is a long fight. So for me, it's like as soon as the fight starts, I'm kind of feeling the fight. I'm getting slowly into that rhythm until I pick up mine. So it's because, you know, for 10 minutes, I couldn't start very fast because, the, you know, I would burn a lot of energy. Then it would be hard to recover and keep that pace to the end. So for me, I was, I'm a very, I was always a very slow starter. 
you know, mm. a lot of my opponents, they come in very aggressive first, like, you know, trying to put in a lot of energy to try to score some points on me or to try to do something. And I was the opposite. I never matched their pace. You know, and like a lot of my fights, I got, I start losing. Suddenly he took me down or he, he did an advantage because he put so much energy and effort for that, you know, the beginning that I never really matched that because for me, there was no point. I don't mind. Okay, suddenly, okay, the guy scored two points. So, you know, he did an advantage, but there's still a long fight to go. And I'm still fighting my rhythm. You know, I'm getting, in, in, you know, the, the rhythm of the fight. So my pace, it will slowly come up. So, oh, you know, my energy, my effort to try to, to do anything against my opponent was slowly picking up until, you know, say like four minutes max. And then I'm like, okay, now I'm, I'm 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 increasing my pace. I'm trying harder to do things, but still not full on. And I always kept the pace to the end. You know, it goes a bit faster and then slow down, but my my pace never stopped. And that was how I overcame most of my opponents because every time I fought a very big and strong guy, every time they all guessed all of them because they rely on power and they never. They, you know, they, and they couldn't keep my pace because, you know, a lot of the things that they rely on power, the beginning is very hard because they're very, they're very strong. They, they have the, mm. the whole energy to try to defend what I'm trying to do. So it's very hard. But their resistance will drop because they cannot use, you know, they won't have power to defend the whole fight. Ten minutes is too long. And after five minutes, that's when I was used to grow a lot in the fight. So, you know, the first half was hard, very hard for me. Every first half was like tough. Second half, always much easier. Because I've, ne- you know, I, I'm, I just then I just found my 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 pace. I found my zone. Now I have my rhythm. Now I'm going, and day is slowing down. That must be terrifying. You know, you're breathing out your arse. You're blown. Your what? You know, you've you've shot it like Hunter Gracie. You've given it all, and you're just beginning to warm up. Well, that must be just terrifying for your opponents. But, so yeah. but people have said when they've rolled with you that even when it looks like they're close to tapping you, you just find this tiny bit of space and you come out or you can hit a submission from anywhere. Do you prefer using positional like sparring so that you can learn to attack the body from all positions, that you can find escapes from all positions? Is that the key for the best development for anybody, including a fat guy about to return to jiu-jitsu. Should ah, we be yeah. using more positional spotting? To learn, yes. That's when you develop your skills because the repetition of the same situation, at some point you will learn. So it's, you know, if you practice the same sparring situation over and over again, and you can make the same mistakes over and over again, but at some point, you will try to change something because you, mm-hmm. it's not working. You know, for some people, they, you know, it might they, they differentiate how many times you need to, you know, it needs to happen for you to change something. That's just numbers. But it's the repetition. You know, if you're doing the same, if you're trying one escape, you know, you tried the escape, it didn't work. You're going to try the same escape, it's not going to work. I mean, at some point, you will try the escape differently. Or at some point, you will, you will try to, to find the right time for the escape. 
you know, you, you, you're you doing the wrong time or, you know, you, you're doing something that's not working. So you always try to change something. And at some point, something will happen if you keep changing that you're going to escape. And then you're going to replicate that same movement. And that's when you prove. You know, now you, you're practicing the same escape, doing something different that is now is working. So that only happens with the repetition and of that specific situation because the, the, the specific spine, if something happens that you're out of the situation, you stop and you go back again. And, you, you know, you're yeah. out of the situation, you stop and go back again. So you keep going back to the same situation. So you get to, 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 to try the same things. That's when you really learn. It's the repetition, repetition, repetition. You know, I can, I can, I can tell you, you know, if you do this escape, you know, do this and it's going to help you escape. But then you got to practice. And practice just five minutes or practice once or twice is not going to make you learn that. You need to practice many times, many times, many times until you start doing without really thinking much. That's when you really learn a move. When the move comes naturally without having to think much before the move. Because fighting, everything happens fast, right? Fighting is a movement. We're fighting, we're fighting, and then boom, something happens. We're fighting, we're fighting, boom, something happens. You don't have time to think much. What should I do now with movements? You, you can't. It's instinct. And that's when it comes, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, what's the name? Uh, you're conditioning. You're conditioning yourself at that moment to, to apply that technique because you, 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 you've done that dozens and dozens of times. So you're only going to do naturally without thinking if, you, if you've done many times. That's why you need to repeat you know, the same movement over and over again. Then it's like body memory. You, you know, your body remember. You, the mind doesn't have to tell the body, do that now. Because if the mind has to think and then tell the body to do it, too late. Now we're moving out of, you know, now we're no longer in that position. You change. Now it's something else. So how do you focus then on building that conditioning? Is it through positional sparring? Because I think you said you stopped lifting heavy. So you went to Olympic lifts and hill sprints. You know, yeah. how do you train to keep the longevity, you know, to be able to do, like you're saying, to train at such a level? Is it, you know, do we need people to be doing a bit of weight training, some sprinting, but also be on the mats? What's your take on the, you know, the people who say the best way to be conditioned for jiu-jitsu is to do jiu-jitsu? Would you agree with yeah, that? Yes, the best way. Nothing compares to doing jiu-jitsu. I think, I mean, as an athlete and a hobbyist, it's completely different. So let's say, you know, most people that train jiu-jitsu are just hobby. They do for the love of the sport so it's i think when you're young your body's strong you can be in the awkward position you know your body can be twisted and then you'll be fine you know like oh, you know today i had a little bit of pain in my back next day you're brand new as you get older it's different you know you you got a little pain on your back that will stay there for days you know <laughs> Definitely. so yeah so i think some kind of weight training. To be honest, like any basic weight training is fine. If you can squat, do pull-ups and push-ups, that's fine. That's enough. If you do that twice a week, 
like 70% max of your, you know, of, of your power, 70%. It doesn't have to be more than that. So that means you're making your body stronger. You know, your lower back, you know, the muscles of your back gets a little bit tighter. The muscles on your shoulder get a bit tighter. You know, your joints, everything gets stronger. So when you're going to train, your body, you, you know, you, you're not going to get injured as easy because your muscles will hold, you know, you're building muscles, even small a bit. But now your muscles are stronger. If you don't do weights, and then because jujitsu is, is unequal on the body, like it's, you know, you, you, you use more your left arm than your left most of the times, you know, you use more of your left leg than right leg. So you're building the muscles differently on your body. So when you do weights, you align all the muscles together because, you know, if you do squats, is your whole body working both sides exactly the same, carrying the same load, doing the same exercise. So you kind of equalize your muscles when you do weights. That's why I think it's very important, especially for as you get older, especially. It will help you on your, on your longevity you know, as you get older. The older you get, extremely important to do a little bit of weights, even once a week. If you get squats, put 20 kilos each side 10 times, four, four, you know, four reps of 10 times. That's enough. Once a week, I mean, that's good. Twice a week, amazing. That's it. You need nothing more. So it's not, you don't have to be a bodybuilder, you know, like do crazy weight training. But you do need a little bit. It will help you a lot. Like if if I'm doing basic weights, you know, like, you know, I fell on, I fell on my shoulders a couple of times during my life. Then, you know, I have a weakness in my shoulder. Never, I never needed surgery. But it bothers me a little bit. It gives me a bit of pain. Sometimes it puts my neck a little bit. Sometimes my lower back, because I'm tall and my core is not super strong. You know, sometimes I'm being, I put myself in some situations that afterwards, like, you know, my lower back hurts a little bit. So if I'm doing weights, changes everything. Suddenly all my pains go away. I think you've just got a heap of people signing up for gym memberships just now because <laughs> people always think it's like the secret sauce and stuff. And I love how yours or techniques are just keep it, you know, like don't go mad the night before go in, switch on on the day, you know, have a easy breakfast, loosen up, but then get in the zone when you're there, you know, don't like there's don't overcomplicate it. But when you did lose and you hardly ever lost, how did you look back at these, you know, or when you had a poor training session? Did you analyze it? Did you journal it? You know, what goes through your mind? Or do you think, yeah, it's a marathon. I'm learning from it. I'll use it for the next one. Yeah. Every time I'm lost, I'm like, I'm not happy. I need to get better. I'm not good enough. I need to get better. That cannot happen. So I'm like, can I get better? Improve my skills. That's what I always thought. I'm like, almost, you know, like as a black belt, every time I lost, it was like very, very close, very close fight. They have one yeah. small advantage. And then I'm like, fuck, I need to get better. It's not, you know, I made a mistake. I need to be better. And then train more. So would that just be implementing positional sparring? So you lost at this position. So I want to focus on that in training or... Yeah, I mean, it's most of the times it was like one small thing. It was more uh, one one time I underestimated the first time in my life and only that I underestimated someone. I lost. I'm like, that's bad. 
The second time, I was too stubborn. And, you know, most of the times that I lost, I, I could have won easily, uh, to be honest. Yeah. I put it, I think it was my stubbornness that made me lose maybe two fights, two, three fights. I think it was more, I lost to myself more than my opponents. It was more like it's, I wanted the fight to go this way, and I persisted too much instead of trying to change. I think my arrogance... You know, I lost to every time as a, in a black belt. I only lost to myself. My my arrogance made me lose. My arrogance, my stubbornness, and then I'm like, I need to get better. I need to be more mature. I love that. I love that way of thinking. It's I made the mistake, but I can fix it. I can go and you've just got this amazing way of looking at it. But when you retired from competing and you decided to go into coaching how did you deal with that change you know from the adulation of the fans during competitions and the noise and the you know the the lights and all that to coaching did you struggle or was it a natural progression because you have this beautiful relationship with your dad do you think you're always predestined to coach together build an academy to have that connection yeah i think for me it was easier, it was easy in a way, because I thought it coming. I knew years before, I'm like, you know, when I get to 30, around 37 years old, I will hang my boots, you know. I'm like, I never thought myself fighting, competing, you know, over 37. And, if, you know, when I was 30 years old, like it is, you know, my academy start growing, my association, you know, all the business that will get involved. And I always to put everything on hold in a way that my my main focus was my career, you know, my mm. my, my, my competition. So, you know, if when, when I have a fight, when I have a competition, I used to stop everything that I was doing for fully focus on my training, fully, 100%. Like 5%, 10% I was to focus on other things. But I think over the years, that was just getting more and more. You know, in the last few years, I couldn't 100% just focus on my training. You know, I had to be still involved in other things. And I, I had, like, opportunity and plans, you know, to do things that I kept on hold for years because I knew, like, I don't want to start something and then suddenly I have, a, you know, I have to stop because I need to train. It's not going to be good. So, and then I knew, I'm like, okay, you know, maybe in two more years, maybe three more years, I'm going to stop. So I kind of, so I saw it coming slowly. So it was easier when I stopped. Of course, it's saying that's the hardest part of an athlete, any sport, to know when to stop. Because what do you do after? I mean, something you've been dedicating for 20 years, suddenly you have to stop. Now what? Like, you know, you see how many people keep coming back. They, they retire, they stopped, they come back. Because they, they had just haven't, you know, they're not doing anything more. Or, you know, everything that they're doing is like it's boring. They don't have passion for it. You know, my passion was fighting. So they all, they all keep coming back. Like it's who? Who do you think? Like, okay, that guy, the athlete, any sport, whatever. Like, okay, when he had an amazing career and then he stopped on, on his top and then he never came back. Like, who? Nobody. <laughs> no one. Like, look at the, you know, the end of every, every sports person. 
they all they all tried to come back and were always a disaster because they they're not who they are anymore they you know they, they can be still good but they, they will never be who they were i think that's the thing with me you know people ask me you know when you're going to fight again you know it's it's like you, you you still have it you're still very good you know you should fight you should fight I'm, I will never be what I used to be. Now it's impossible. I'll be 42 this year. I'm still tough. Don't take me bad. I can still be well prepared, but I will never be what I used to be. So for me, there's no point. Zero. Like if I'm not, if I can't be what I used to be, why should I compete again? Why? If I'm worse than I stood the old Roger used to beat me up, then I mean, I have to, you have to accept, you know, turn the page, go do something else. But I, I think that kind of links into what you're saying a minute ago about being the maturity of it. You know, it's like the the growth from it, and like there goes to the helio statement of using jujitsu as a kind of a, a growing tool, a life philosophy. You're now going into the next natural progression. So, how do you find that juggling of having a family? You know, you've got a beautiful family, but you've also got multiple affiliate businesses. You're coaching, you're training. You're doing all these amazing things, you know. You've got um, RGTV. You've got all these kind of amazing things are happening. How do you find juggling that now? Do you struggle with it, or does the pressure from competing help you in this sense? Uh, no, I think it's you know now it's, now it's different projects. You try to to build and create new things. You know, before it was like I'm trying to to build myself, my skills as a fighter, as a competitor. Now, you know, it's, now it's not the point anymore. Now you focus in your energy and building other things, you know, creating different things in life, yeah. things that you couldn't do before. You know, now I have the freedom to do it. Like before, I could never get involved with any, any long-term project because I would have to stop that project for weeks out of year, out of in the year, because now I have to fight. So I, I can't do that anymore. Now I need to stop. Now I don't have to stop. Now I have the chance to build, you know, things in a, a long-term project, which is, I mean, it's, you know, life is still exciting. You know, I started my academy very young. So, you know, when I retired, you know, I already had my academy. I think people that never, never, never opened the academy, suddenly they stop competing and then now what? You know, it's natural for you to, you know, it's easier for you to build academy. You have your reputation and everything else. People that want to train under you, but you're starting something that you've never done before. That's why it's, it's, it's very difficult for. I love that. I love it. So, if you had somebody listening just now who wants to try jujitsu, you know, they're a major, they've been watching you, they've been awed at what you do, they've listened to this and think, wow, I've got to try this. Or you have a fat, squashed nose, big lip guy speaking to you just now saying he wants to go back to jiu-jitsu see, after six months. How can we go back and be the model student, the guy that goes in? You know, like, when do you know you're ready to compete? When do you know you're able to do it? You know, is it going in and just thinking, I'll have a laugh, I'll pick a competition a year away, I'll do me versus me, I'll try to be a better person? Can older athletes, like I'm 40 now, can you realistically look to win competitions? Or is it about growth at this age, just being better and healthier? What's the best way of being a student going into jiu-jitsu later? Is there any difference to a young pup? 
No, there's absolutely no difference. All you got to do is walk to the academy and train. What's the difference? There is no difference. The difference now is the older we get, the more <laughs> afraid we get. You know, now we are afraid to lose. We are afraid to, you know, to look bad. We are afraid to feel, you know, to feel bad or feel embarrassed. You know, I'm going to lose. I'm, I'm, I'm unfit. I'm this. You know, what if? Now is a lot of what ifs. Kids, they, there's no what ifs. They go and have fun and that's it. Adults, when we got adults, like, what if this? What if that? You know, what I hear the most is, you know, I tell people, come train, haven't trained for a while, or, you know, try to convince someone, Jiu-Jitsu is amazing. The first thing they tell you, oh, yeah, but I'm so out of shape, man. Give me a couple of weeks, I'm going to train a little bit, and I'm going to go back. I mean, you're never going to go back. If you, if you need to do something to go back, to, to start, you know, training, it's not going to happen because you're afraid to lose now. You're, you know, you're afraid. You're, is that your ego telling you? I mean, it's the best way to get fitness in jiu-jitsu is training jiu-jitsu. Well, you're going you, you, to expect to be six months away, one year, or never trained before. You're gonna, you want to get that first day and look great? I mean, when, what in That's life do we do day one that we're going to look great? Tell me what. I wish it was true. I wish it was true. Nothing. But, Absolutely yeah. nothing. I want to start French. I mean, the, the first day is the worst. Like, you're not even, you don't even know how to say hi. I mean, what worse can be? Well, I'm <laughs> going to read a book before I join, I, I join a class because I don't want to look so bad. You know, I don't want to get there and I can't even say hi. I mean, so what? You're learning. Go train, man. Okay. I look terrible the first day. I got beat up. I got half my size. Yeah, so what? That's your ego. You will. I mean, if mm. that's the case, shit happens. Come back the next day and try to improve. You know, after a little while, suddenly, been training for a while. Wow, I feel great. Now I'm, I'm, I'm doing it. I feel better. Now I know things. I'm back on it. I love that. I love that. It's like, because I think I definitely made it. Like I overcomplicated it. I was living through the ego. You find an excuse thinking, not to go, you know. Uh, oh, I definitely. I came out. Every role was a fight, not to lose, but not you know. It's like not tapping when I could have, and just saying, "Oh, brilliant! You caught me. Let's go again." Or learning. It was living the ego. I was. It was. I lost the fun of it. And I watched my nephews just now playing football and all these sorts of things, and they just do it for the fun of it. And I was thinking that's the mindset I need to go, but. I know we're an hour in and I can't believe we're just touching the surface. I've got thousands of questions. I'd love to have you on again because it's an honor. I think I got a bit starstruck at the start. But <laughs> what would you want people listening to remember from this? You know, is it a message, uh, some points, or is it a focus you want people to just remember about jiu-jitsu competition, about yourself, about what we can do in life, what we're capable of? I mean, I think... What I want people to, to see, it's everything is possible. You know, if all, all it takes is dedication, everything. I mean, I'm a living proof yeah. of that. It's, I mean, I stand the bottom of the, you know, in, in my dedication and my motivation kept me going. And, you know, I made it. I became who I am. And, I mean, jiu-jitsu, everyone that trains jiu-jitsu, changed people's life. Change the life. It's the best thing in the world. Like, it's not because, no, come train with me. Go go train with somebody else. You know, I'm not, I don't care where you train. Jiu-jitsu, until you do it, is the best thing.
thing in the planet. It's the best exercise, it's a full body. You know, every time I train, I switched off my mind. You know, after training, you're so relaxed. You know, suddenly your problems are not as big as a problem anymore. You know, you still, you yeah. don't care much. You know, it's like not, whatever. Like I'm just there with the guy who trying to rip my head off. That's a real problem. That's life and death problem. The guy was trying to to, to rip my head off. I you know I have to face that problem. Every other problem is is, is not is not a bigger problem anymore. You know, it's. I mean, jujitsu until you do it, change your life, change everybody's life. Look at the world. Look how many people are doing more and more. As I came back, just for his first tournament, I mean, everybody's doing, everyone, everyone who gets into it, they fall in love. All you got to do is leave your ego outside. That's all. If you leave your ego outside, it will change your life. And is that just from turning up, do you think? Losing the ego is just going maturing as you go along? No preparation, nothing. I'm away, you know, I've been away from training a while, you know, sometimes I'm too busy traveling. My conditioning was terrible. Now I want to get back into it. What do I do? I walk into the academy and train. First day is a disaster. Gas, can't do more than a few rounds, short rounds because long rounds, is not you're going to kill me. You know, I keep coming back. The next day I'm better, next day I'm better. Two weeks in, oh, I'm a different person. My cardio is better, you know, I'm getting, my reactions are better. Two weeks. Mm-hmm. Give it two weeks, you suddenly say, whew, I'm getting into it. You know, your, 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 your body will change. Now you're more relaxed, you're not as stiff. That's it, practice. All it takes is practice. The more you practice, the and better you seem it you have this amazing academy where everybody seems to like each other and they get on so well. What would you say to people about using jujitsu as a like a way to make friends and connect and you know, like kind of find your tribe, your people? I think the the one thing. I mean, my academy, of course, we you have that in other academy as well. I think jujitsu is kind of place that everyone is equal. Like it's one place that you go, where you know anywhere in this planet that everybody is equal. You put the gear on. The only different, what was different to people is just the color of the belt. Doesn't matter who you are. You're training. Yeah, it's your level that matters, not who you are. So everyone is is, is an equal place, and I think that creates a big comfort for for, for someone who's you recognize by your skills, by your effort. You know, not by your social status, by your color, who you are, where you come from. So I think that's the place that people feel comfortable. You know, if the if the environment is good, like I like to believe my academy is, you know, I think we have an amazing environment. Everyone is very happy. It's you know, that there's no judging. It's you know, you are you are measured by your skills and your personality. If you're a great person, people will treat you well. You know, you people will 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 say hi with a smile, they will be happy to train with you. If not, the people won't talk to you. It's by who you are mm-hmm. that it will dictate how you treat it inside. I think that's what makes the academy special. Jiu-Jitsu is everyone is equal, and you are treated by who you are, not by what you have. Or, you know, I like that. I like that kind of give to others. You know, be the good training partner for others as much as you expect from them, and 
don't you know yeah I, I like that way look at like i would love to have you on again and do a round two i mean what how can we keep in touch with you how can we come down and train do you offer like um people coming in from other gyms how you know how can we sign up for rgtv and use that your instructionals how can we follow along this amazing evolution that you're doing for jiu-jitsu yeah, I have my main school in Hammersmith, West London. If you go to you know, the address are there, the number, all the information you need, the classes. You know, you come for an intro class. It's, you know, just for you to understand what you just list. If you never train, you'll get an instructor who will explain you everything. He's going to show you the class. You will see what happens in the class. You can even try one class right away. We are open for everyone. You know, I'm, I'm very open for people from other schools. We have visitors daily. From, you know, people who come to visit London for a reason or come to train at school for, for a few days or for a week. Everybody's welcome. No, I don't. We are, we are open doors for everyone. Everyone who want to train, you know, want to learn, everybody's welcome. Got a Rajgrisi TV is a huge platform I have for videos, online tuitions, uh, trainings. I have, you know, my father's there. I have a few of my instructors. It's, uh, you know, it's really amazing. I have almost a thousand videos there. Mm. There's a lot to learn. And I've just opened a, a clothing company called Gentle Art Apparel. I started a couple of months ago. That's going super well. Have amazing, uh, amazing things. It's growing. So, yeah, exciting. Well, that's it for another week. And thank you for listening. It's now time to take what you've learned and use it to develop and enhance your life with the key points mentioned. Listen, try it, embrace it, use it, and crush it. Now's your time to hit that next level in your life. If you liked this episode, then please leave a comment on the show notes or a review of the show on your podcast platform. Everything helps evolve the show. Until next week, keep seeking the next level in your life.